Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. Tonight, you're going to hear from new Blue Jackets assistant coach Mark Recchi. But right now, Jody Shelley, let's talk about the Blue Jackets and the state that they're in right now. It's been kind of an up and down week since last we did a show. uh, The Blue Jackets beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, went to Washington, lost a one goal game to the Washington Capitals, and then went to Florida, fell behind in the first six minutes by three goals, and then battled to come all the way back and take the lead before losing it with under a minute left and falling in overtime. So the Blue Jackets, what I'm saying is, in the past week, they've pretty much run the gamut. They've had a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah, no, it's been, you know, and you look at the first 12 games. So they've played 36 periods of hockey, uh, maybe a little extra with some of the extra games, three on three, and there's been more parts of that, those games that have been played well by the Blue Jackets, but there's been segments of every game uh, that where they've lost it, where the, you know they they would like to have back. And if you look at that last game in Florida, it's kind of a summary of how this season has started, and it shows that you know they're they're a team that's young, they're a team that's still trying to figure out how they want to play. And I think it's a you know that start was terrible. They were standing around, they knew that, but they adjusted, and that shows that. There's some character in the locker room and there's some fight in the team to come back in Florida where, honestly, and, and they got a little lucky. There was a couple posts there as well that could have made it 5 or 6 nothing in that first period. Uh, but they went in and you got to credit Spencer Martin for playing really well against the Florida Panthers and allowing his team to get the footing. And after he did that, they battled back. And unfortunately, you know, a turnover ends up in the back of the net with uh, under a minute to go in the third period to tie it up and then they lose it. So... It's disappointing, and I think it's been there's been disappointing moments for individuals and this team to start the year, and but they're still right around 500. I, I there, there's more to like than not like about the Columbus Blue Jackets right now, and it's because there's a system that's being in place and there's accountability that's being thrown uh, down hard on these players, and you're seeing veteran guys be benched, uh, Johnny Goodrow, Damon Severson, uh, guys with big contracts in big roles. And I've been in locker rooms where that does happen, and it's a huge impact. It's a, it's a long season, and I know it's, you can't say that now because it's already we're in November, but it's time for these guys to start figuring it out. Well, let's talk about Johnny Gaudreau. He got benched in the third period of that game against Washington. Uh, he was right back in against the Florida Panthers. But Johnny just doesn't look like Johnny right now. I mean, this isn't the guy we saw come in as a free agent last year. I mean, he's struggling to find it. He has only one goal. It's been an empty net goal. But, but it's beyond that. It's it's the passes. It's the shot attempts. And sometimes maybe now some forced shot attempts because you can see that he is getting frustrated. You know, two, three games into it, no goals. Okay, that's one thing. Once you started to hit eight or nine, a guy like that needs to get a goal. So that, that frustration has been... I think it's been a little bit more visible here in these last couple of games. I think it's a, yeah, it's a definitely a confidence thing right now. Johnny Goodrow is five foot eight, and he might even be five foot seven. And he's played his entire uh, every time ever since he's put skates on, he's been one of the smaller guys, and he's found a way to be one of the all stars and one of the game breakers in the National Hockey League. When it comes to him being on the ice, is noticeable, and he's a threat to the opposition. He's getting crowded like he always is. He's just not moving his feet and battling within his space to create open ice and get that game going that he loves, which is the give-and-go and the battle game. And I think maybe his focus is a little too long. Maybe he is thinking at, about the goals, uh, obviously. But if your focus is shorter within a shift, get the puck, make a good play, feel good about yourself, go back to the bench, you know, move your feet, drive the play. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's something that he's got to find within, and he will. But you're right, right now, and it really is glaring in one-goal games, right? And it's it, it, that's when you look to the superstars. Uh, he's not the only one that's struggling. There's a lot of guys in this team uh, that struggle within games, uh, but he's been the most noticeable because we expect a lot from Johnny Goodrow. We expect to sit and watch and be uh, pulled out of our seats and uh, the play be carried much more than it has. He hasn't created any really big chances the past two games, and that's not like Johnny Goodrow. So he's got to find a way to get inside. 
I do think that the defensive zone has something to do with it. Johnny Goodrow likes to play high in the defensive zone so he can be the one to break uh, and get breakaways. He hasn't had breakaways here. In, in this system, he plays a lot deeper in the D zone, and that makes it that might be a tough starting position for him. He's got to get used to that. But I think in the neutral zone, you really see him getting pushed, and maybe that's because he doesn't have that extra ice he likes when he plays at the top of the zone. That's just my theory, but I think you add that with trying to find his rhythm. Uh, and Zach Rinsky's another guy. He hasn't found his rhythm. Now, Zach's been out for an entire year, and, and that's a real thing. Uh, so, so for Zach, he's, he's fighting it a little bit, and he knows it. That'll come around as well. Uh, so, so, and I look at, you can look at the veteran guys, Bob, and, and you know, no one's played uh, a complete game yet. And they need some of these guys to catch breaks and, and, and feel good about themselves and, and get on a, a bit of a rhythm. But um, there's things to like within every game, I think. But when you, they lose like they did last game, 12 games in, uh, you, you get a little extra disappointed in my mind. Some people think that was a good point, and hopefully it is in, in three weeks. Uh, but right now, it's one of those things where good teams find ways to close games out. Let me ask you about Johnny and his line mates, because when he left Calgary, he was playing with Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk. All of them had over 100 points on the same line. So you very seldom find that kind of chemistry. What we saw from Johnny last year is he and Boone Jenner have developed a chemistry. They play very well together. It's been that other side that has been rotating, and I, I still feel like sometimes – they're looking for somebody that clicks with him. It was Patrick Line last year. Uh, then it was Kirill Marchenko. Right now it is Jack Roslevic. How much of an effect can that have on a player like that until you find that certain comfort level and that chemistry, not just with one guy on your line, but both guys? Yeah, it's important. It's definitely important. And I also think the defense is important to be up in the play for Johnny. You know, it's not just the forwards he's with. I think it's the guys that understand how to get pucks to those guys and the second wave and someone else to drive the play with the puck. Johnny likes to hide. Johnny doesn't have the puck. He likes to go behind the net and get lost and then get found. And a lot of times he's not getting found right now. Uh, but I also think, yeah, I like the Boone Jenner thing. Last year, Johnny, I mean, he played, how many players did he play with last year in the organization with all the injuries? And he still had 74 points in 80 games. This guy's a guy who's almost a point of, of a game player. Now he's under 0. 0.5. It's like 0. 0.3 points a game or less right now with five points in 12 games. So I would credit it a little bit to that, but also Johnny's got to be more of an impact on that line. He has to draw more attention when he has the puck, but also be able to keep it longer. And we're seeing him get the puck, uh, draw the attention, but lose the puck. And that's not his game. His game is actually to make people miss, make two people miss that come at him at once or make them back off and get the ice. And that's where he, he's very effective. So it's two things for me. It's, it's the defense um, being a little crisper, a little sharper, getting that puck. We saw a couple plays he's made in the offensive zone early in the season with the cross-seam pass across the zone when he's on the left side on the power play. He's very good at that. But he just hasn't looked comfortable. And I think it's his options, but I also think it's within his feet because if you're playing against him, it's like you're trying to catch a fly. You know those flies you tried to catch in the kitchen <laughs> this summer, Bob. How do, they, how do they see you coming when you know you got them, right? That's yeah. his game. He gets out of there at the last second. And, uh, and we're not seeing that last second stay alive right now. And he's got to up it a little bit. Let's talk about Zach, too, since you brought him up. You know, Zach, you're right. I, I think there are times that he seems a little bit hesitant. But let's also be honest. This guy has had two major shoulder surgeries. He also got a puck in the face a couple of years ago. And then after missing almost all of last year, he comes out on opening night and Garnett Hathaway runs him and he has to leave the game and he misses a couple of games. Look, that has to have some kind of a psychological effect. I'm not making excuses for Zach, but let's be honest about it. If that happened to you in real life, you might walk down the street looking around and seeing what's going to happen to me next. And, and that takes a while to get over well, just think about it. You miss a year of hockey. You get into tra you train all summer. You get into training camp, which is not the same. Uh, it's good to get those reps, but then the urgency, the crowd, uh, the focus of the other team, the game happens quicker. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think or how prepared you think you are. It happens fast. Everything happens faster every single season because teams plan and teams play different systems and teams want to play quick offensively and quick defensively. I agree with you. I think that there is not just the fact that he missed all that time, 
but the injuries have got to have caused him a little bit of a hesitancy. And there's just that that uh, part of his game that we love is where he just takes those three massive strides and he is now alone with the puck with three different options to make. And it's either skate it more, pass it off, or shoot it. And and we haven't seen him like his first decision. He sometimes gets slow with the puck at the offensive zone. We've even seen him miss passes. So it just looks like he's not comfortable as well in his ice. And when I say comfortable, it's a confidence thing, right? Uh, but I would agree that that opening night hit, uh, what he's been through with, with injuries, it's caused him now a little bit. It's going to take him a few games to find his rhythm again. And, and when he does, uh, when you have those two components going, plus Severson, who's a very good offensive skater, he's a, he's a good playmaker, but he re- they all, it's a team game. I've, I've talked, who did I talk to last week? I talked to Joe Pavelski about scoring goals, and he brought up a great point. He said, you know, it's funny in this league, you, you have a night where you have two goals and assists, and you think, boy, I had a really good game. And then you look at the tape, and you realize that, no, like for him, it's the defenseman Haskinen made a really good play on one of those goals that got them through the neutral zone. And uh, his other lineman, Robertson, you know, faked the shot and two guys went to him. He just understood that his timing was right and he was in the right position to complete the play on the goals. And so you have to have all elements in this sport. They've got to be rolling. I mean, we've seen Connor McDavid do the end to end rush and dominate from time to time. But you're not seeing it so much either because it's more it's, – it's just when a team is locked in in their system and they've clogged things up, you rely on other players to keep keep plays moving along. And that's where these players like Warinsky and Goodrow find the open ice, find the open shooting lane, and things start rolling. It, it, it's something they've got to figure out with their confidence uh, with their teammates. One more defenseman I want to ask you about before we break here. And this guy has put up some points this week. He's got a goal. He had a couple of assists uh, early in the Florida game. And that's Eric Goodbranson. And he was a player that was brought in for his size, for his toughness, for his defensive ability. But here in these last couple of games, he does have a good shot. And it seems like he's taking it a little bit more. And this week it's paid off for him. He's taking it without stick handling the puck as well. So he's a guy that the simpler the task, the simpler the – the role for him, the better he is. And I think everybody can learn from that because, you know, if you're a young, let's go to Kent Johnson. Healthy scratched a couple times. When he was here, I know he's down now. But you want to go in and impact the game with a, a one-on-one, beating someone one-on-one and carrying the puck through the neutral zone on the power play and getting that shot through on the power play where, you know, if your focus is, Eric Branson's focus is very simple. He's a right-handed shot. When he gets the puck on the penalty kill, he clears it, but he clears it hard. Uh, when he makes a pass in the neutral zone, it's usually the first option, and it's tape to tape. And when he's in the offensive zone, we saw on uh, one of the goals, was it Danforth that scored in Florida? I forget who scored the goal. Down in front of the net, Danforth was a factor there. Corrali. Yeah, Corrali got the goal off the rebound. Danforth was in front. And that puck was on the wall, and Good Branson knew it was coming. He knew the entire zone. That means nine other bodies are coming that way. And he shot that puck and got it through without thinking, without hesitating. So that's a simple mindset to say, when the puck is there, shoot it. When I have an option, pass it. And when I'm going to make a play, clear it. And, and that's a guy that's a veteran guy who's played in a lot of different systems for a lot of different teams. So he, I think he picks up concepts quicker. But I think the simpler you can focus um, in this game, things can happen easier for you because as soon as you start looking to do too much, Passing lanes, shooting lanes, skating lanes close so quick. And that's because the forwards are humming on the back check. So, you know, you collect the puck, you get going, and you just think you're going to make a pass, and boom, there's someone on you. Uh, so Gabranson, to me, is, is, is kept within his, himself, and that's why we're seeing him play some really good, reliable hockey. I'm interested to see how Elvis Merzlikens reacts to what happened in Florida where he gave up the three quick goals. And I'm not pointing the finger at him, so to speak, because he's been very good. In fact, I I think he's been much more calm in net this year, and he has given his team a chance to win. But this is where, just going on his past, this is one of those things where I want to see how he reacts because there are times that he hasn't reacted the right way to it. And and I'm hoping that what we're seeing is a maturing goaltender here that's just going to shake that thing off and come right back. You know, you hope so. 
and I don't understand the position. It's a you know the mentality of the game. Look at Johnny Goodrow. We just talked about his confidence. You know, he can't score a goal. So for a goaltender that goes in and then gets prepared for the game, uh, just makes it to the almost the six minute mark of the game, and then sits and watches team battle back the entire game. Has a day off yesterday. Comes in today. Now he's getting ready for the game tomorrow night uh, versus Dallas, who he just he just faced. So. I think he's in a much cleaner place mentally uh, than we have ever seen. And this is his first test. Not his first test because training camp was a test. So he proved to himself early in this season. uh, And hopefully it's enough that he's got a baseline that he can just go back to that mentally and be like, all right, just go back, be calm, be confident, and uh, not worry about what might happen, but just face every puck. You know, and some of those plays, uh, yeah, you can't put them all on Elvis because the D zone, there was a lot of time in the D zone. There was a lot of pucks moving around. Uh, so I think he's going to be fine, uh, but I understand why we're, we're thinking, I hope he's okay. It's almost like I just want to see it. I want him to come out and be great. I want to see him get over. Uh, well, maybe there's nothing to even get over here, but I, I just want to see him respond because I really like the way he's responded in general this year. Well, and the other part of that is I hope he doesn't go in and try to do too much yeah. because Martin went in and played very well. And there doesn't matter what you say, there's a competition. If I'm on the bench watching you do my job, Bob, and you're doing great, I'm happy for you and the team, but not really. I mean, I really want you. I really want to be relied upon. And now it's on me to go in and play my game and not try to do too much. And I think what you're saying is, well, I know what you're saying is that he does tend to do that sometimes mm-hmm. where the save has to be bigger than required or the play needs to be bigger than required. So hopefully he keeps his competition level uh, in that zone where he's really good, quiet, we've said that a lot this year, and confident, uh, and not to try to overcompete or overshine Martin and just realize, hey, stop the puck, give, the chance, give your team a, the best chance you can to win the game. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy that uh, spent a long time playing in the National Hockey League. He's got a couple of Stanley Cup rings for the work that he put in as a player, and now he's a coach. And this year, right before the season, he joined the Blue Jackets. Mark Recchi is going to be our guest as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Blue Jackets getting set to take on the Dallas Stars tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. 7.30 start tomorrow night, by the way. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and we're joined right now by Blue Jackets assistant coach Mark Recchi. Mark, we wanted to give you time to get settled in and learn a little bit about Columbus and about the team that you're with right now. But how are those adjustments been for you, getting here, getting acclimated, and really digging in? Yeah, it's actually been it's been real seamless, to be honest with you. And, and you know, when you come in as a visiting player and uh, you don't get to spend a lot of time, you're in and out, you know, you're focused on playing. And I just can't believe how nice the city is. And, you know, I've been out in the suburbs, a couple of the suburbs, but more so downtown. And it's uh, it's just really, really a great a great city. And it's been a lot of fun for me. And, you know, when my family's been coming in and out and, and you know, they've really enjoyed it. So it's been, it's been nice. And then on the hockey aspect, it's, it, you know, it was a lot to catch up on in a short period, um, but, you know, obviously, you know, Pazzy, uh, Pazzy and the coaching staff have really helped me to, you know, to get, to get in, you know, in tune with everything. And then it's just, you know, getting to know the players and learning about the players and, and going from there. We go to Pittsburgh for a preseason game this year, and I'm in the press box, you know, doing what most of us broadcasters do in Eating. between periods. Yeah. Pretzels, cheese, <laughs> drinks, right? The whole thing. And, and I saw you there. And, you know, growing up outside of Pittsburgh, I, I was going to come over and just introduce myself to you. You were talking to somebody. And then I'm thinking, why is he here, by the way? What is, what is this guy doing here? I wonder why he's at this game. And you were wearing a shirt and tie. And then I was like, well, who's he working for now? I'm not even sure where he's working right now. And lo and behold, two days later, I found out where you're working here. How did this thing come about for you to get on this staff? Well, it happened really quickly, obviously, and and you know, with obviously when everything went down, um, um, I I have the same agent as Pazzy, so just said reached out and and you know, Pazzy, we had a conversation, we had a ten minute conversation one afternoon, and um, you know, he said he wanted to meet me and and have a meeting and go from there, and I had some I had a commitment that I had to to keep, uh, so I couldn't come in till Saturday, and. Um, I flew in Saturday morning and then 
Uh, Pazzy and I met for dinner that night and we hit it off right away. Um, I personally, you know, felt it was a great fit and obviously he did as well. And then the next morning we, you know, we flew to, we flew back to Pittsburgh. I flew on the team plane there and, and, you know, we just obviously negotiations go from there. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, two days later, I'm, I'm here, I'm loading up my car full of, full of, you know, half, half my clothes anyways. And, and, uh, you know, figuring out where I'm going to be and, you know, get into a hotel. And so it happened quickly, but it was, you know, I mean, obviously you got to get, you got to hit it off with the coach, especially when you don't know each other. And I'd heard so many great things about him and, and I was trying to find bad things and, you know, I couldn't find them. Um, you know, I asked a lot of people, obviously Pazzy does his homework as well. And, and, uh, you know, you always want to make sure it's the right fit. And, and I'd already been part of, uh, kind of helping the young guys uh, in New Jersey. I've been part of, I was part of that. So this was kind of similar. I knew, so I knew what to expect and it made it a lot easier for me to make that decision. Yeah, we were talking during practice today about the, your coaching experience. You coached with Pittsburgh, so you had the Crosby factor there. You coached with New Jersey, Jack Hughes and that group there. And now you're here with this group and you talk about the young guys in New Jersey. Do you see any similarities with some of the young guys on here? Uh, because New Jersey's right now just starting to round into what they're going to be as a team. Do you see some similar traits? Oh, no question. I mean, you know, when you have the high picks that we've had and, and some some elite talent, and, you know, you definitely you see the similarities. And, and it's now it's just getting them to round their game to where they need to be. And, and you know, that's just a, you know, it's a daily – uh, daily adventure working with them, but they they're all willing to learn, and that's and that and that's all the that's all you ask. And, and it was the same thing in Jersey. They all wanted to get better, uh, and you know these young guys here, they all want to they all want to you know figure out, and they want to be they want to be difference makers in the game, and that's it's always fun to coach them. Mark, I'm wondering uh, how'd you get into coaching? Well, it was uh, I was in player development, pretty high up in management in Pittsburgh, and talked. Uh, Rick Tockett left to go to Arizona to be the head coach and Jimmy Rutherford and Mike Sullivan just asked me if I had any interest and you know so we spent some time talking and then um, you know finally agreed to jump on board coaching and and um, so it was kind of neat I'd been in player development I was on the bench uh, quite a bit with uh, Wilkesbury as well so I had a little bit of experience with that and then obviously when you have a guy like Mike Sullivan it makes it you know, makes it easy to make that transition. And, you know, it was seamless. It was, that was seamless as well. And it was, but that was the reason I ended up getting into it. I hadn't even thought about coaching until, you know, they approached me with it. So, um, and here we, here we are six, seven years later, you know, still going at it. So that's good. I, um, I always think about like your first year as a player in the career of careers. And we always talk to older guys. I just talked to Boone cause he's now been here for 11 years and talk about the older players that were in the room when you, when he walked in and I look at your, your history and you walked in with Mario Lemieux, right? He was there yes, when you were there. Absolutely. And so, I mean, <laughs> what was that, that like was for you? Racket. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> did you play with him too? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. We won together in 91. But the fir your first year, uh, my first full you year, like 15 I, games your first year, and then yeah. your first full season. Yeah, well, I got well, he, he assisted on my first goal, but uh, that was we were getting beat by Winnipeg in Winnipeg. It was late in the game, but uh, I, I don't know why I was even in the ice with them to be honest with you. But, <laughs> Long uh, change, just, maybe. yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and uh, but then the my first full year, I didn't. I was playing with, uh, I was playing with different bunch of different guys. Uh, I shouldn't say my second, really, my second full year. I was kind of all over. And then uh, John Cullen got, they traded John Cullen, and our, we were playing together. And then I ended up just playing with him, Mario and uh, Bobby Erie uh, on a line basically through that rest of that time and then into the playoffs. And when you look at that, the impact those guys have on you, and now obviously as a coach, you're having that impact as a coach, but you value those relationships. You must have endless relationships playing over 1,700 or 1,600 games in the league and the people you know and played with. Do you see the value in that for these young players too, the veterans that are in there and your impact? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's extremely important to be honest with you. And, you know, this is a, it's a hard league. And, and, you know, it's nice to have those guys that you can lean on, especially when you're young and, you know, you're growing up. I mean, I, you know, I had Brian. I sat between Brian Trache and Joey Mullen. 
Uh, I know Badger Bob did it for a reason. He put me in between those two guys, and it was the best thing that could ever happen to me. And I had a couple great guys in the minors as well that were really, really helpful. Dave McKaylick, Jock Callender, who's you know part of the Cleveland team here, and uh, you know uh, Mitch Wilson, a, a guy. They they were very influential on me when I was in the minors. So it made a big difference, uh, you know, when you're first getting into pros, and it's nice to have those guys you can lean on and, and you know trust and feel that you're you know you're safe and you can you can ask them questions and and they're going to help you do you remember any moments with those guys where you look back and you think you know that was such a small thing or a big thing but it made a huge impact on pr pretty much your entire career because you also have to hand that hand that down to the young players too yeah and that's i mean i i as i got older i loved them i mean because i never forgot what they did and you know what they said i mean I don't know if I had any, anything in particular, but you know, Trotz was Trotz was more of the talker than Joey Mullins. So, um, and Badger Bob, I you know, I'd be waiting because you know you're an eager young guy and you want to go on the ice and you're waiting. But he's telling a story and talking, and it's just you know I'm eating I'm eating it up. But at the same time, I'm looking at the clock going, I'm not going to be late. And <laughs> Badger Bob never said once, and I mean I'd run on the ice after, and he never ever said one thing to me. You know, you know he knew that he'd walk by and he'd see us talking and. You know, but you never forget those uh, those experiences. And Trotz and I, and Joey Mullen and all those guys, we're still great friends to this day. Those guys are. I mean, I got to know Joey Mullen a little bit. He's a wonderful person. Yeah. But hockey is like he is a student of the game, and I can't imagine some of the stories you learn from those guys. Oh yeah, he still skates four days a week. Does he really? Oh yeah, he still does. Yeah. Is he in Pittsburgh? No, he's in Boston, back in uh, Cape now. Oh, he is he? Skates four days a week. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> those guys love it. I yeah. talked to Rick, uh, Mickey Redmond a couple of weeks ago when Detroit was here and he said he skates twice a week and he wished he skated three times because he gets sore if he doesn't skate more <laughs> which is I was looking I'm like yeah what's Mickey 70 something oh my god yeah he's got it he's been at it a long while great, but though. wants to skate more to feel better yeah that's great we're trying to do once a week here that's <laughs> yeah. well, great conditioning I'll tell no, you that. It's, <laughs> oh, it's humbling I'll yeah. tell you that <laughs> yes. We're talking with Mark Recchi, Blue Jackets assistant coach. You know, you brought up that trade. Uh, John Cullen went to Hartford, and you got Ron Francis at the time. That's one of the greatest trades in Penguins hockey history. And I used to love talking. When, when Craig Patrick worked here a couple of years ago as a special assistant, I used to love talking to him about all those trades and all the, you know, the, the things he did there at that time. And then it's ironic that Tockett leaves – and you take his place on the bench as a coach because once upon a time, you were traded from Pittsburgh in 92 to Philly for Rick Tockett. He came back the other way. They went on to win a Stanley Cup, a second Stanley Cup there. And when I look at your career, I'm like, this guy was all over the state of Pennsylvania because you were with the Penguins three different stints, with the Flyers two different times, and then you mix in a Montreal and a Boston and a Tampa Bay. And oh, by the way, in Carolina, yeah. and you got Stanley Cup rings along the way. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a great track, but it's a pretty lucky track the way it all worked out for you, right? Yeah, no, it was it, you know, all it all worked out and happened for a reason. And you know, I was for talk, and I ended up playing together in Philly after as well. So he came back to Philly from uh, Phoenix, I believe it was, and um, you know, we're great friends to this day. And and um, you know, he, he's an awesome guy, and he's done a great job coaching as well. So, but he was a great teammate. When Jody was talking about the, the value of older players, if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, when Pittsburgh sent you to Carolina, and, and then you were going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and you went back the next year, right? Yes. So that was that was an opportunity for, well, for you. I mean, Pittsburgh was in a spot where they weren't going to win, and they were giving you an opportunity to go and be one of those experienced guys in Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of Craig Patrick, when Craig and I are good friends, and and uh, we, were, we were friends at the time, and, and he... You know, I trusted him. He came to me and said, you know, is there, is there any team, you know, you don't want to go to or is there anything, you know, like, because I had a no-move trade. I said, no, I said, I trust you to send me to the right spot. And when he made the trade, he told me, he says, you're going to win a cup with Carolina. I said, all right, I hope so. So, <laughs> so um, you know, so that was a, it was a great story with Craig. And then, yeah, and then I ended up coming back the following year, uh, that summer, free agency. You, uh, when you look at your career, you were on the top line and the fourth line, right? Did you finish on the with lesser minutes and a lesser role? I, um, I'm not. I played with uh, when I finished with Boston. I was playing with Bergeron and Marchant. Wow. So we were we were technically our checking 
Oh, it was? Slash off. Yeah, we were, yeah, we played. We, That's we, a pretty good check. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we were, you know, and I just kind of rode their coattails at that point. <laughs> I was 43, so it was, uh, it was a tough well, fun. Well, you knew your line was going to win the face-off. Just be ready yeah, for the Absolutely. Puck, right? <laughs> well, my absolutely. point is, you know, you talk to all these guys, and we see you talking to Johnny Goodrow, who's a power play guy and a superstar, who's yeah. struggling. Yeah. And you've been there, so you've walked in those shoes because you, you can explain it to them. But you've also been in that checking line role where you understand their role and that simple focus. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable with these guys now and in, in, in helping them? I know it takes a while to, to get in there and get to know them, but are you feeling you could, you're getting to them? Yeah, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm definitely comfortable now. Like, it does take time. You know, you can't just jump in and, you know, you got to kind of work your way in and do it the right way and just have small conversations with them, learn about their families, learn about them themselves, and then you get a little – then they get more comfortable, obviously, speaking to you, but – you know, it's been great. They've all been really good and all very receptive, and um, they know I'm here to help them, and I want to help them, and that's what I love to do. I love to help them. You know, I want every one of these guys to succeed and, and be successful and, and have fun doing it, and, and, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but, you know, if you do it, put it, put it, put it into it, you're, you're going to be successful and continue to be successful. And, you know, you talk about the roles, like, I went from quarterback on the power play to net front of the power play. You know, I was, you know, big net front guy, yeah. all five, nine and a half of me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, there, you, you learn to accept different roles. I loved it. I just love playing the game, and I hope I can bring that to these guys and, and help them with that and, and show the passion for the game and that this is, this is, this is the best league in the world. And like, just enjoy it and put, a lot, put your time in. When you come here, you've got to be a pro. Uh, you got to work, and you got to put your time in, and you're going to make mistakes. But if they're if they're non-working mistakes, if they're if you're not working, then the mistakes, then you then there's there's issues, you know. And if, but if you're working and you make mistakes, coaches aren't going to have an issue with that. So, right. You know, and I think that's you know I think our guys are learning and they're they're grabbing it and they know that practice is important now. Like that's where we create all our habits. And, you know, I think it's very important. And, you know, we don't practice a ton, but when we do, we got to be sharp. And we got to be, put the details in, you got to work. And sometimes you're tired, but, you know, that's the days you got to push through. And then it makes the games that much easier when you do that. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating that everyone talks about how the game has changed. But when you really break it down, like what you just said, it's hard work. It's battling to get in, knowing what to do in that front and getting inside. And, but that's never going to change. So when you see the game, it's, yeah, it's faster. There's more guys tracking. But, right, you got to fight to find that space out there. And that's probably what you're relaying to these guys is that, hey, it's the hard work to, to get. It's hard to score goals. It is. Unless and, you're and with Mario Lemieux, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, you, can look at, you can look at analytics. And, I mean, in terms of goal scoring, analytics doesn't lie. You, you score with a certain area in, yeah. in the game. And it's a lot around the front of the net. You know, it's not too many goalies goals from the outside. You can you can't score from the perimeter anymore, and you know guys have to get inside if they want to be successful and want to score goals. And I want them to score goals because I want them to have success. So, it's showing them those things. And and you know like, you know a lot of these guys were extremely elite players at younger level, but now everybody's elite up here or, or really really good in the NHL. You're at the best of the best. Now you have to find out how to. Now you have to figure out how to become even you know better, and that's getting inside, learning those little tricks like get inside, no one to get outside, no one to you know maybe you got to pop outside once in a while, but if you want to score goals, you got to go inside. And it's crowded in there. It is. Uh, you're running the power play, right? Yeah, Pazzi and I. Yeah, run the power play. Yeah. So, is it? Do you run plays, or do you just put guys in situations where they can succeed? How does that work for you? Well, we do have some stuff. We do have some plays. Like, you're always looking at the other teams, um, how their structure is, and so you're always trying to give them something to help them. If you see something, we can maybe move this way or get into certain positions and then go from there. But, but we're also trying to put them in, in position to be successful as well, that we can get the best out of them. And Johnny's a perfect example. I'm, I mean, yes, he's struggling a little bit right now, but he'll come out of it. He, he's, a, he's a pro, and, and uh, you know, he, he'll, he'll do the right things to get himself out of it here. But he was playing on the opposite side, and, and for seven, eight years in Calgary, he was down the left flank. He was on his strong side on the flank, and, and he was one of the best in the league at it. <clears throat> so we tried to put him in, the, you know, we put him back there, and I think he's way more comfortable there. And, you know, that's where you're putting in players certain, yeah, 
sometimes you have to be uncomfortable and you have to be in spots you don't want to be, but when you can, when you can help them get in that situation and be more comfortable, it's, it's going to benefit. And, and hopefully they'll, they'll start going in for him and he'll start getting his legs under him. Because I'm amazed. Sometimes I, I didn't know this, but sometimes co- coaches don't ask, where do you want to play on the power mm-hmm. play? You know, it's, did you have that in your career where someone came to you and said, where are you most comfortable? Like, where would you like to play on the power play? Yeah, when I was really, yeah, at some points I did, yeah. I mean, the coaches would ask, but, you know, I honestly really didn't care. So, right. you know, half wall, whatever. And that's what these guys say, court, too. Yeah. They're like, I'm comfortable anywhere yeah, on the power yeah. play. Yeah, they are, and they're mostly. But I knew that Johnny for seven, eight years. I mean, I watched him in Calgary coming down his left, you know, that left side and how successful he was. Yeah. And, and see that he's not that company. When he gets on the one-timer side, he's not, and he doesn't have, you know, he has a good shot, but he doesn't have a great shot. So it's like on the flanks, if I'm not, you know, on your one-timer side, it's great to have a guy that can really bomb it as well. I mean, when you have Patty, and then I know that's why they tried to make that fit because of, you know, that Johnny's such a good playmaker. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta be, you gotta make them comfortable. And it's like, you don't want them to force things and, you know, so it's just you want them to work with within, within a structure, still let them have their freedom to do some things and, and make their plays, but know that there's a certain structure you need to have to be successful. Has the easiest decision on the power play been to stick Dmitry Voronkov in front of the net? That was the easiest <laughs> move by far. Guy loves it. Right off the bat, first, first whatever week I saw him, and I said, man, this guy, and Pazzi said the same thing, so we're just like, yeah, there's our net front guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got good hands, too, yeah, so he, he you know, he'll, you know, as he grows here as a player and gets more confident, he'll make plays down there off the goal line as well, which is, which is always important, you know, because a lot of teams push up high. You have three-on-twos, two-on-ones down low, so you have to make those little, you know, uh, simple little plays, and, and you got to kind of draw people and get it down and, and attack low. And if you do that, then, you know, you'll be successful. And, you know, you again, power play is no different. Slot chances, down low chances. One time inside that, that box area, if you don't get opportunities there, your, your power play is, you know, going to be mediocre. And that's where through 10 games, we were a little bit weak on trying to get it into the, into the inside. And we got to get a little better at that. And, and we're working at it and we're showing them. And, and um, you know, it's a process. It really is. It's, uh, you know, you got to get... Um, you know, you got to keep working on it in the details and, and you know, show them. And, and it, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but we'll work at it and they'll work at it. And, you know, guys love to play the power play. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's something where, you know, anytime you can help them is, is important. I love how he keeps pucks alive that hit, that hit the goalie. Like he's just, he'll, he'll throw that extra whack in there. And then, yeah. you know, everything is, no one, you can't plan for that, a rebound, a scramble. He's just such a nuisance there. Yeah, exactly. And actually in Florida, it, you know, one of our guys wasn't in the proper bump. He kind of slid off to the side. And, and again, you talk about inside, he probably gets a rebound and probably bangs one in. Those are the things that we're teaching him. Like, okay, did you see, like, you're playing with this guy. This is what's going to happen. Oh, off of him. Yeah, yeah off right. of him. So just, in, in, you know, the bumper guy, the middle guy in the power play is so extremely important now. And, you know, it wasn't so as important, you know, years and years ago, but it is so important because you have to get inside now. And it's a key. And, and if you don't have a bumper guy and those rebounds, they bounce out, especially with Vronkoff and Boone's great at it too. Uh, they have net presence, pucks bounce into those higher slot area. That's, those, are, those are prime goal scares. And if you're not, you don't have somebody there, then it's, you know, we're not, you're not going to get those opportunities, those second and third yeah. opportunities. I think that's fascinating. We talked earlier in the show about Pavelski, and I talked to him about he'd have yeah. a night where he'd have two goals and an assist. I'm going to talk to you about this. And he'd look at the tape the next day and think, before he watched it, he'd think, oh, I had a good game. But then he'd look at the tape and be like, no, Haskinen had a great game. You know, the center, Rupe Hentz had a good game. The, everyone did something within there. So for you to say a guy to recognize what Voronkov is going to do off of a shot, it's, yeah. you probably did that your whole career when you're playing with, I don't know, did you play with John LeClaire on the line? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. you knew what he was going to do, and yeah. then you'd go in and clean it up, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I cleaned up a lot. So that's good. <laughs> that's a, that's a goal smart players yeah, do. Yeah. No, it's uh, when you have that, it's it's such a big, and, you know, Pavelski's like, we're going to see him, see him tomorrow night. And he, he's, I mean, God, he's made, he's such an incredible, so smart and he's always in the right spots and he can say he doesn't play well, but he, but yeah. he's always in the right spot. So he's, you know, playing the game the right way. Did he play like you? Or did he, does he play a little bit like you played? 
Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's a little different, but you know, you know, I was probably a little bit more physical, and, yeah. and I had to be a little bit more physical. But he's so darn smart, and he and he's such a he's such a true pro, and he's competitive. He's really, really extremely competitive, and yep. you know, he's made a heck of a career. So, anyways, we, he's a good player. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing we have for you, Mark. We're talking about the the value of a veteran guy on the ice with the other players. You're a veteran guy on this coaching staff. This is a young coaching staff, right? When the experience of it is not a lot and compared to your experience as a player and even as a coach. So uh, are these guys leaning on you at all besides where to find dinner on the road? Um, well, that's where, that's my number one goal. No. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, we lean on each other, really. I mean, they're they're smart guys, so and they work hard at it. Like they're they're hardworking you know, coaching staff. Like they they're we're totally committed as a group. We're all on the same page. We don't always have the same thought process, which is awesome. So we debate. Uh, we have great debates in there. We talk about things. We talk over things. Um, Pazzy, at the end of the day, he's the one that makes the final decisions. But um, it's you know it's it's important. Everybody has a voice, and Pazzy lets that happen, and then he makes the decision, and we go from there, and we come out of there, and we're united in whatever. But how we want a, this team to play, and how we want it, we feel like moving. You know, with being built and everything, how we think we can be really successful uh, organization and team. Um, we all we're all kind of on the same page, which is which is really, really neat. Yeah, well, that's great, and that's yeah. that's what it's got to be. We're, we're always talking about if the players aren't playing together as a team, it's not going to work. If you guys aren't playing together as a team, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that doesn't mean everybody's best friends every single day. So. No, that's the way it goes. That's right, Bob. <laughs> Mark, thank yeah. you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time yeah. for us. Great to have you here as a member of the Blue Jackets, and. Uh, um, Give us a spot for dinner in these next couple of days, will you? Yeah, sounds good. All My right. pleasure, guys. All Thanks right. for having me. That is Mark Recky, Blue Jackets assistant coach. Stay tuned. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. The Blue Jackets getting set to take on the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. That'll be a 7.30 start at Nationwide Arena. That's an ESPN Plus broadcast, so we'll start at 7.30. Jody, the Blue Jackets just saw the Dallas Stars last week. They were down in Dallas, went down there to play uh, that one game, lost the game. 5-3 to three was the final score in it. This Dallas team, a very veteran-laden team. You were talking about Joe Pavelski earlier in the show, one of uh, a lot of guys that has a lot of experience. They bring a lot to the table. Yeah, I mean, that line with Pavelski, Rupe Hentz, and Jason Robinson, they've been together now for a couple of years. And when you think about the draft uh, they had in 2017, they picked up Jake Ottinger, who's one of the top five goaltenders in the league. Uh, Robertson is one of the pure goal scorers, top pure goal scorers. And then uh, Miro Haskinen, who's one of the best uh, defensemen. So that changed their organization in 2017. But they've added pieces like Pavelski, those veteran guys. And, and Bob, I say it a lot. I probably say it to you way more than uh, anybody. But the value of having that player, uh, the older players in the locker room, you know, Pavelski hasn't won a Stanley Cup. He's been in the league now for 16 years, I think. He's done a lot of great things. But when you talk to him, he's not completely satisfied with how the stars are playing because he knows what it takes and he wants to win so bad. And those are important pieces to have when you're making that push. So Jamie Ben's one of those guys who's getting older in the career. He's feeding off of that Pavelski energy. The younger guys don't understand, but they are getting put in line by that. So uh, it's a team that hasn't been playing completely sharp. I didn't think they played well against the blue jackets in the first period in Dallas. Uh, but when they get rolling, when they get through that second half of the season, uh, they've got size, they've got uh, commitment, and I, I like their their age of that team. Yeah, they are graduating from one leadership group to another one there with Jamie Benn as the captain. And, of course, Tyler Sagan has been there for a long time. You mentioned Pavelski coming in and now spending a couple of years there, but it's the Robertsons and the Haskinens and the Hintzes. Those are the guys that are starting to get into position to to take over on that team and be the leaders on yeah. that team. Yeah, I think you see some pressure on some of them because, you know, when we were there, Robertson, I think there were eight games in or, or something like that where, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't coming easy for him. And, yeah, they, they understand after getting 100 points and putting up all the goals that he did, uh, 
you, you set the bar pretty high and uh, you know you come into the season and and you want it to happen every game so they're st- they're still learning I think th- that group but um I just like how they have a, a good mixture there and a g- wonderful goaltender yes makes indeed. a big difference doesn't it big goaltender moves well yada 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 there there you go um the San Jose Sharks finally got a win oh they picked up a win against the the Philadelphia Flyers I got up this morning and saw a lot of people making fun of the Flyers on social media look You've made that trip as a player. You've made it as yeah. a broadcaster. When you go to California and you you have to run the gambit there, um, there's at some point you could stub your toe very easily. That happens to the Flyers. But also, the Sharks were not going to go 0-82. They were no. going to win some games along the line. But yeah, and it's human nature to come into a game and think, okay, this is going to be an easy one. And there's some pride. Uh, there's pride in every locker room. And, you know, Mike Greer came out publicly last week. He's a general manager and said it's not good enough. Uh, endorsed David Quinn as a coach who he hired. Uh, it's not a very good team, but you can find ways to win in the National Hockey League. You know, you're in a locker room that, that gets, puts up, gives up 20 goals in two games already in this season. They lost 10-2 and 10 nothing. I think. So that's hard. I mean, that's tough. Yeah, to tr- do it once is one oh. thing, right? To have it happen twice. I was just thinking, how do you go in and coach? You know, what do yeah. you say to the players? You know, and so good on them to get the win because, you know, that's the greatest part about playing the game. So you look around, you say, you played a good game. Man, that was, you You know, you made some great plays out there. They got it done together. Uh, but I just think for the Flyers, human nature at some point. And I know John Tortorella probably would be very upset at that loss of two points. And he should be. Yeah, no question about that. As you look ahead at the Blue Jackets schedule, they're going to play in Detroit on Saturday afternoon and then go to New York to take on the Rangers on Sunday. Ironically, those two teams played each other last night, and it was a game that the Rangers had a 5 to nothing lead, and then the Wings came back and they made it a closer game. They lost it 5-3, to three, but... Um, well, we already saw the Red Wings once this year. They shut out the Blue Jackets 4 to nothing, And the Rangers are a team that, to nobody's surprise, I think, they've kind of found themselves and have been on a roll. They've got something to prove because last season they were up two games to none on their, the Hudson River, River rivalry where the Devils looked down and out, and the Devils won the series. So every Ranger fan, everyone in the organization has been, I don't know if in the organization, but every Ranger fan has been very, very down on their team. And the expectations are high. They fired Gerard Gallant, who had success there. Over 100 points as a coach every year, but it wasn't getting done the way that um, they wanted it done to be a complete season and a long playoff run. So Laviolette comes in, and he's done a good job. Um, He's done a good job not only motivating the superstars, but also putting in that team system. Now, they just lost Adam Fox. He's out for quite a while with a lower body injury, so... He's one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. And Shesterkin has been hurt, and they're still winning with Jonathan Quick. And Quick has been in. So it's those are key factors, and that just tells you the team game is much better than than um, all its parts, and I think that's a key. I mean, that's something you got to learn in the regular season because if you're in a seven-game series heading into uh, a game where you can close it out and those those guys are out, well, now you can go back in, in your memory and be like, oh, yeah, we can do this in your muscle memory and, and get it done because, you know, you stack up a system – uh, and they play very, very fast. They're, Kreider's a horse. He's got 10 goals, I think, already in the season, maybe nine. Uh, he's just getting it done. So they've got the pieces, and they have something to prove, and they're playing faster and more structured, and I think that's a dangerous team. I really think that they're going to have a successful season. You played under Peter Laviolette. You know the way that uh, the, the demands that he has of a team, and he seemed like a guy. He bounces around. It seems like he's one of those coaches that uh, you're going to get some – Good success out of him right away, and then yeah. maybe maybe it tapers off, and maybe that's why he's moved around. But he's in that first year, and this is what they expected to get out of him. Absolutely, and it's because he has a refreshing way to motivate. You can tell he's very passionate, but he can be demanding and hard too. Uh, but he can also be light, and he gets to know you as a player, your family. Like he's 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 a guy that uh, yeah, he he knows what it takes to get the most out of people. Uh, as players in positions, and he challenges well. So, yeah, it's exactly – and he likes the big stage. He's in. He's on Broadway. I mean, this is – it's a big deal to him to coach the New York Rangers. He's coaching some big markets. There's no bigger market. And um, the pressure's on him, and I think that's when he does his best. Second time he's been on Broadway. He was in Nashville. 
No, that's right. That's a different Broadway. <laughs> that is a different. It's a much, much Quieter. different Broadway. Yeah. That, well, I don't know anymore. Um, there's something else you said there too. I want to ask you about the players feel the pressure from the fans. Yeah, it is. It's not the same everywhere, and I think it's very different in New York. The way you feel that pressure. Can you tell me? From the player's standpoint, when it's not going well, or if there are heavy expectations, how much do you feel it? It's different than Philly because Philly's a little smaller, and the fans, the fan, it just feels different in Philly. It feels like it's a gross feeling because the players are carrying the weight of the Flyers, and it just seems like they're they're closer to you. Where in New York, it's so big, it's such a big stage. Uh, you know, you end the game and everyone scatters and, and you just kind of fall into the night in the city. And it's like, you know, you can get lost there. You can't get lost in Philly. And um, But I think it's a big pressure because you love it so much. Uh, the history of the Rangers, uh, the alumni that are around, like Graves and Mark Messier and, and Richter. Um, and they're passionate to the point where they will let you know when they get in front of you exactly how they feel about you. And I play with a guy named Wade Redden. And he had a big contract and was underachieving. And I watched him get yelled at by a fan and his son, and I had never seen anything like it. And, and, and it was kind of my welcome moment to the uh, New York Rangers where Redden talked, turned to me and said, uh, welcome to New York. And, you know, it's just the pressure's there because the expectations are high. They want to win a Stanley Cup, and they don't want to go along without it. And uh, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really great feeling because it's a big city, with a lot of fans and high expectations. So you carry that weight when you put the Ranger jersey on. It's funny when you talk about melting into the night because when you play at Madison Square Garden, it is the world's most famous arena. But it's also, it's kind of a dark place. You can't even tell how many people are in the doggone place. It's amazing. Right? It's my favorite place (laughs) because in the afternoon there might be a basketball game. The night before, uh, there could have been a concert, uh, you know, or a, a boxing match. You walk in, Muhammad Ali's on... His pictures on the wall. Uh, you've got Prince, and everyone's played there. I mean, you've made it when you've played at Madison Square Garden. I love the feeling of the building. I love the fans there. Uh, I love how old the ceiling is and how it's just kind of there. We're right up touching yeah. the girders of the ceiling, which yeah. is cool too. Yep. All right, so that's what the Blue Jackets have on tap. They've got this game against Dallas on Thursday, and then in Detroit on Saturday afternoon, and on to New York to play the Rangers on Sunday again. Tomorrow night's game, 7.30 start against the Dallas Stars. That's a game you'll only be able to see on ESPN+. Of course, I'll have it for you right here on The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network, starting with the pregame show at 7 o'clock. I'd like to thank Mark Recchi for being our guest tonight, and thanks to Jody Shelley for joining me. That'll do it for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan.